0: Hello, wherever you're listening to us, I hope you're staying safe and doing well. I'm Hari Arakli, and this is today's tech briefing. In this program. You know, also the other factor is uh, the absence of a natural
1: local market. Uh, semiconductor consumption is big in India, but it's, it's a small fraction compared to some of the developed countries.
0: That's after these headlines. Moderna, a US pharmaceutical company, said a booster shot of the COVID 19 vaccine may be necessary as new variants of the coronavirus emerge. The company made the announcement as part of its second quarter earnings release yesterday. Moderna's two-shot COVID-19 vaccine is 93% effective through the six months after the second dose. The company is studying what type of booster will provide the best long-term protection against the Delta variant and other possible variants of the coronavirus. Moderna said both a third shot of the original vaccine and new versions have demonstrated robust antibody responses to COVID-19 variants of concern. Apple is implementing a system that will check images on iPhones before they are uploaded to its iCloud storage network to ensure the images don't match known images of child sexual abuse. This check will currently be available only in the US. Detection of child abuse image uploads sufficient to guard against false positives will trigger a human review and report the user to law enforcement, Apple said. The system is designed to reduce false positives to one in one trillion, according to Apple. U.S. President Joe Biden signed an executive order mandating 50% of all new cars sold in America in 2030 to be all-electric, plug-in hybrid or hydrogen-powered, the Verge reports. In addition, his administration will propose new fuel economy and emission standards that will more or less erase the Trump administration's rollback of the previous Obama-era rules covering cars made through 2025. Biden will also order the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency and National Highway Traffic Safety Administration to develop aggressive long-term rules to support his 2030 target, ones that include medium and heavy-duty vehicles as well. These rules, however, still fall short of targets set in Europe, for example, according to The Verge. Ravi Adusumalli, founding partner of Elevation Capital, Rajan Anandan, former head of Google India and now a partner at Sequoia Capital India, Scott Schlieffer of Tiger Global Management and Bejil Somaya of Lightspeed India are among the heads of some of the best-known venture capital firms operating in India who have written a letter to Prime Minister Narendra Modi to allow Indian startups to directly list abroad Economic Times reports. The VC investors were joined by several startup founders as well, including Baiju Ravindran, founder of EdTech startup Baiju's, India's most valued startup, and Kunal Shah, founder of fintech company Cred. The letter was sent earlier this week with copies marked to Finance Minister Nirmala Sitaraman, Commerce Minister Piyush Goel, and IT Minister Ashwini Vaishnav, according to ET. Twitter is updating Spaces, its audio room feature, to allow hosts to designate up to two co-hosts, making it easier for users to manage and moderate conversations. Once invited, co-hosts have almost all the same moderation and managing privileges as the main host. They can speak, invite other members of the room to speak, pin tweets, and remove people from the room. Twitter, Facebook and other companies ramped up their audio room features after Clubhouse emerged as a popular audio room based social network. MindTickle, a sales readiness technology provider, has raised an additional $100 million in its Series E funding. SoftBank Vision Fund 2 is leading the round with participation from existing investors, Norwest Venture Partners, Canon, NewView Capital and Qualcomm Ventures. The latest fundraise follows a $100 million investment led by SoftBank last November. With a total of $281 million in funding, the company is now valued at $1.2 billion. The 10-year-old company was started by Krishna Devpura, Vipak Divakar, Mohit Garg and Nishant Mungali. Micron Technology is one of the world's biggest semiconductor companies and a leader in memory chips such as DRAM and NAND. The company had a strong quarter recently amid the ongoing global semiconductor shortage. Anand Ramamurthy, Managing Director at Micron Technology India, spoke to me about the company's work in the country. Here's more from the conversation. Uh, Anand, fantastic to have you with us this morning. Thank you for making time uh, for this. Uh, of course, Micron Technology is uh, a very large global company uh, in the semiconductor industry. But for folks uh, who are not very familiar with uh, Micron, uh, perhaps it'll help if you can uh, tell us a bit about uh, the company uh, and then we'll have some follow-on questions.
1: Sure, Uh, Hari. A very good morning to you and uh, glad to be joining you for this conversation. Yes, uh, love to talk about Micron. Um, So Micron is uh, the fourth largest uh, semiconductor company in the world today and probably one of the very few Uh, In fact, the only one in the Western Hemisphere uh, that uh, builds memory and storage solutions in scale, Um, um, 40 plus years of existence, um, a very strong technology pedigree, 44,000 patents and counting, headquartered in Boise, 44,000 plus employees, um, growing operation here in India, um, truly global in every sense of the word. Uh, We do a lot of our manufacturing in-house because of the unique needs of the memory storage market. Um, And and the company basically builds memory uh, for almost all the core applications you can think of, starting from smartphone, IoT, embedded, uh, data center, PC, automotive. Uh, uh, We would like to believe that you can find a micron piece of technology in most products we use um, on a daily basis, electronic products we use on a daily basis and we're also uh, a big part of some of the leading changes that are expected over the next couple of years in the space of uh, 5G on the on the mobility side uh, more and more uh, autonomous navigation coming in cars uh, the the emergence of higher performing data centers hyperscalers um, and we uh, we are and we will continue to be a big part of all those big changes ex- happening as we speak
0: Hmm. Uh, let me ask you about uh, your most recent quarter. You all have, a, have had a, a, a pretty strong quarter. Uh, can you tell us a bit about uh, what are the factors that contributed?
1: Sure, Hari. I think uh, um, we, had a, we had a fantastic quarter. We also guided well and, and it's coming on the back of uh, you know, many, many variables that uh, our leaders talked about uh, during, the, uh, during the investor sessions. Uh, there is clearly some level of uh, pent up demand that is showing up post uh, the pandemic. Um, you know, production had come to a halt in some markets, some segments, especially automotive. So a lot of that is coming back. So it's a resurgence of demand coming back. That's uh, that's a demand vector. Uh, there is also a true uh, organic demand coming from higher adoption of five G, um, you know, scaling of data centers, uh, newer smartphones. Uh, PC sales have skyrocketed in the last twelve months. Uh, both in India and in many other parts of the world uh, because of the emergence of uh, digital classrooms and remote classrooms. So so it's a combination of uh, demand that was pent up, uh, new demand from, and also a little bit of uh, uh, the shortages also making sure some of the bigger customers of ours are managing inventory a little less conservatively. Uh, And and, and so when you put them all together, uh, it gives many of of, uh, our portfolio products very strong line of sight in terms of uh, increasing growth uh, and adoption.
0: Hmm. Uh, tell us a bit about uh, the ongoing uh, semiconductor shortage. Uh, maybe a little bit of a brief history of this shortage. What triggered it? Uh, where's the industry at today?
1: Yeah, and, and shortages are not new to the, you know, semiconductors are known to be the most uh, cyclical uh, industry. So uh, in some ways, uh, not a new phenomenon, uh, because uh, we tend to have, and there are many factors for it. One, one, one of them being, uh, you know, most of the chip companies follow uh, a node, a technology node trajectory. Uh, like, say, I'm on 10 nanometer, I'm transitioning to 7 nanometer. And that transition itself means you plan your, your production, your volumes, inventory levels in a certain way. So, so, you know, with the convergence moving from one technology node to another comes those cycles uh, that are are so semiconductor-like. So, so, you know, shortages and transitions are are not new to the sector. But that said, I think the pandemic uh, certainly played an important role uh, because uh, we had uh, many markets which were depressed for a long time. Um, Retail market in particular, where you sell a lot of smartphones, for example. Um, so so but the e-commerce did make up for some of it, but not all of it. So, so clearly some of it is because you know your factories are shut, the production is shut, you've gone and taken uh, orders from your customers, you have to go and fulfill it. So you suddenly come back and start ordering and you find that uh, the entire uh, supply chain robustness is kind of shaken and, and challenged. So some of the pandemic-related issues contributed to uh, the imbalance that you see today. Uh, we're also seeing some sectors truly grow now, uh, and you know it remains to be seen how long can they remain robust, but PC was a good example I gave you. We believe that uh, that sector certainly has uh, more room to grow because uh, it was flat for a long, long time, uh, because the mobile phone in some ways have taken over some parts of what a PC is used for. But, but when it comes to remote classrooms, digital classrooms, uh, it's very hard to replace or substitute a PC-like form factor. So, so I think uh, those are some of the contributors for the supply chain. Uh, uh, lastly, I think vendors in particular tend to, be, uh, tend to watch their CapEx investments carefully because uh, uh, the memory industry, the processor industries are cyclical. Uh, you don't want to uh, poorly plan your CapEx just because you saw a surge in demand doesn't mean you go and add more factories and add more CapEx spend because you know that it's going to come down a few quarters down the line. So uh, I think uh, all the responsible companies that are listed will take a careful, calibrated approach towards building CapEx, uh, which will in in turn mean that uh, we may have some challenges short-term, but over over medium and long-term, this whole whole shortage and uh, supply chain challenges will get regulated. And uh, So for now, it's about managing the situation, um, using our resources well. Micron has done it very well, as was reported in our earnings result. Um, we, we've tried the best that we can, but please remember, Hari, that any product you sell in the marketplace, uh, one missing component and the product doesn't go to market. So, so it's uh, shortages. It's not just about shortages, but what is? You know, there was a famous story where a uh, one-dollar part can come in the way of a car or a phone going to production, um, and, and 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 so that's why it's not just about uh, one or two, but it's about all the hundred odd components that, that fit into a car or a phone or a data center.
0: Hmm. Uh, give us a, give us a sense of uh, some of the most recent advances uh, in memory tech uh, in recent years. And you also mentioned uh, going forward uh, areas like 5g, autonomous vehicles and all and data centers uh, where uh, you know these technologies will find applications. So what are the most uh, relevant uh, important advances?-
1: Sure. Sure, honey, the biggest challenge that we in semiconductor phase is physics, right? Um, you know we cannot keep on miniaturizing, uh, and and you know the the, the move to smaller nanometer uh, technology nodes uh, presents a challenge to all of us, right? And and in in memory we call it a problem of scaling, uh, and and so what we are doing on the NAND side, you know, broadly speaking, we have three parts to our portfolio. We have the NAND flash business, we have our DRAM business, and then we also have a couple of bets in what we call the emerging memory portfolio, where we're trying out. Uh, things that can basically, you know, be a little bit of a fit between the NAND and the DRAM in terms of cost, performance, density, etc. So in the NAND world, uh, the, the approach taken by uh, memory companies is about uh, stacking the memory cells. You know, you cannot shrink the uh, you know the the, the die uh, the footprint on a die beyond a point. You start building cells on top of each other. We call it a 3D NAND structure. Uh, just recently. We announced our 176-layer 3D NAND product, which is the first in the market to have so many layers of memory cells. So, so I think that's the innovation uh, that, we, that we will drive for sure, so will many of our peers, uh, where we're going to go and stack a lot more. But think of it this way. The simplest way to look at it for some of your, uh, uh, some of your audience is you, know, you have a plot of land, and, and you don't have a lot of plot. So what you do is keep building on top of it. And you keep building till it has structural integrity and doesn't fall down. So beyond you know 300, 400 layers, you know you will have issues of stress coming on the silicon die, and those kind of challenges. But we we expect to kind of push that envelope as much as we can, and keep stacking uh, the NAND die cells on top of each other to get uh, higher performance and higher density uh, in a small piece of silicon. So that's the NAND approach. Uh, likewise for DRAM, um, you know beyond 10 non Uh, thinking of technologies has been very difficult. So we have our own nomenclature, what is referred to as one alpha, uh, one Z nodes. And and, uh, I'll have Ignesh send you some more additional um, uh, literature on on what these nodes mean. But simply put, uh, we are trying to, again, uh, solve the scaling issues by having higher efficiency on the uh, memory arrays, uh, making sure that we continue to drive cost performance leadership and 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 you uh, know it's been in, a, in a, we are very fortunate that Micron in the last six months announced um, the highest level of innovation on the DRAM and the NAND portfolio. Um, and while we're doing it, the third part of the segment I talked about, we are looking at a lot of these emerging uh, technologies in the memory space. There are different approaches uh, to it, and there is no one size fit all. So we tend to cherry pick. Um, you know, is it is it are we, which problem we want, we want to solve? We want to solve the problem of memory bandwidth. Uh, you know, we can also use packaging very creatively. What we often do, um, because of our portfolio, is we can stack a NAND, uh, a DRAM together in a package. Uh, that kind of stacking is very useful in smartphones, for example, because they are very real estate constrained. Uh, you want to shrink the size of your printed uh, circuit board. One way to do is to make sure you have innovative packaging options. So the so the innovation is not just about the memory or the silicon die. It's also in packaging. It's also in how you how you manage bandwidth. Um, so, lot lots happening in that space. Uh, uh, given our our pedigree, um, you know, uh, we're very strong uh, from a technology standpoint, and, and uh, look forward to additional advancements in these uh, these domains over the next many years.
0: Mm. On the point uh, about uh, emerging uh, uh, technologies uh, in memory, uh, can you give us uh, a, a peek into the kind of research and uh, innovation that? Uh, is ongoing at Micron in the context of uh, uh, artificial intelligence uh, becoming more mainstream, and uh, these days even quantum computing uh, is getting a lot more attention. Uh, what would you say Micron's Micron's uh, role would be going forward?
1: A good question, Hari, and I'll tell you. I, I follow the space very closely because my background is a lot of uh, a lot of compute.
0: Now, now one of the
1: challenges, um, you know, if you look at um, the most prominent challenge. Now, any system that we have today, be that we employed in a data center or any embedded uh, application, there is still a, a, you know, a lot of data exchange happening between the processor where the processing happens and, and the memory where the data is stored. In fact, a lot of energy is wasted, if you want to call it wasted, in, in cycling of data from the, uh, the processing part to the memory part, right? And and so there are two ways of solving it. Uh, One way to solve it is to make sure that memory and compute are adjacent to each other um, so that you you, you have less latency, you make quicker, faster decisions, or you have some accelerators uh, either on the compute side and or on the memory side to help you with what we call making decisions on the edge or inference-based decisions, right? So so at the heart of it, the problem we're trying to solve is uh, minimize the time effort and the energy it takes to uh, you know transfer information data back from the compute part to the memory part. Uh, we' are trying different approaches there and the uh, you know there is a new area, well, not new anymore it's been there for a couple of decades now but what we call in-memory computing. a lot of computing can happen on the memory side of the equation. and and as you talk about automotive navigation and other inference edge type applications, uh, the faster decisions have to happen at the edge. you don't have the privilege of going and knocking on a data center, um, as frequently as you need to. And, and so how do you do that? And, the, and the, the part that we also have to worry about these applications is about memory, uh, is security, right? Uh, because as you are, are you know, how do you make sure that security on the edge is as strong as security is in the, the data center? Um, because uh, you don't have the same infrastructure on the edge that you have uh, in a data center. So you still have to not just have faster data access, quicker decisions, But you also have to keep it secure. And and so we have approaches that are looking at all of these problem statements. Uh, Can't talk to the approaches in particular. They're confidential. But but at least it gives you a sense of uh, the type of problem you're
0: trying to solve. Mm. Uh, Tell us about uh, Micron Technology India. Uh, What are the most important areas where your uh, India centers are working on?
1: Sure. So um, just a a preview, right? We are today around 2,500 engineers and professionals, Uh, Ali. And, uh, and, and all of that growth has happened in the last three years. So it's been certainly a very, very exciting and a fast ramp, uh, not just in terms of headcount, but also in terms of competencies. Um, we have a very strong uh, co-location index. Uh, and what I mean by that is um, all of the design functions that you would expect to see in a company of micron size, a very large percentage of those functions are, have a footprint in India. And not just a footprint, many of them actually have scale. And and uh, so we have many functions where we have attained significant scale, almost uh, com- bordering on being called a center of excellence. Uh, and these excellence excellence units are are owning programs from end to end. Right. An example that uh, I like to give um, uh, in all of the SSD drives, a very big part is played by the controller, uh, the media controller that manages all the algorithms, uh, and and that controller uh, architecture ownership execution is completely out of Hyderabad for the mobile portfolio of ours, right? That's just one example of where we completely own the portfolio for, for, for Global Micron. we have already done three tape outs uh, in, in less than less than two and a half years. And that gives you a sense of uh, how strong that, that team is. Um, we are also uh, the center of excellence for data science, uh, which is a horizontal technology. It cuts through both engineering and manufacturing functions. And, and uh, our intent is to make data science a very strong horizontal, uh, whereby we solve problems. Uh, where you, know, you, have, you have a lot of data. You have to uh, use data to arrive at decision. And from decision, you have to achieve some value. At the end of the day, you're either reducing the testing time or you're, you're solving or you're, you're identifying problems earlier in the verification cycle of uh, silicon. So whatever the problem statement might be, we're using data science more and more. Um, we also are owning memory design for both NAS and DRAM out of India. Uh, and that is something that will grow. That's a very niche scale. You have to realize that uh, there are only three or four companies in the world that actually design memory. So, And, and uh, not, not many of them have a footprint in India. We are among one or two companies that have design infrastructure in the country to go and be able to build uh, what I call a design ID or a DID out of India. So we have that infrastructure. Uh, and and we have teams building building that for us. We also have a significant IT team that is actually providing us with a lot of uh, captive solutions for running our HR facility, uh, cloud security operations, Uh, not a traditional outpost or an outsourcing operation, but a very significant value-added function that helps uh, our our factories are extremely complex and we need high quality IT uh, engines to go and, and drive those. Um, There's also an area of smart manufacturing that is getting uh, very popular these days where uh, you want manufacturing flows um, uh, to be be optimized uh, for for higher productivity and and lower cost. A lot of those those things come come out of India. Uh, We also have some efforts in what we call technology development where we are building many of the building blocks that are needed to go and build the next generation uh, NAND and DRAM nodes. So I can go on and on, but, but give you a sense. Um, uh, we we have a good mix of um, what I call connecting dots. Um, ideally, you want to co-locate many of these functions in one place so that uh, the, the flow of information and the execution excellence is maintained, and that will be the intent uh, going forward.
0: Hmm. In the broader sense, uh, even though India is seen as having completely missed out on the uh, semiconductor uh, you know, foundry uh, side of the industry, uh, it is today also seen as uh, home to many uh, fabulous uh, design houses, and, uh, a fairly uh, reasonably mature ecosystem on that front. Uh, how do you see it uh, evolving? On the fabulous
1: side, firstly, uh, I think the momentum could, could have been better. Um, I think we had some early momentum where we had companies designing some analog IPs for many of the SOCs and uh, other controller products. Um, they tend to get a quiet, which is kind of the exit strategy, uh, preferred exit strategy anyways. But, but the problem with the fabulous companies are the lead time. And this is my general personal comment. The lead time from the day you start a design um, on a certain technology node and then license it to someone like a Micron or a Micron lookalike. And then they take the product and take it to market could be anywhere from two to three years. So VC funding and promotion of these companies become very difficult. It's a long time to revenue, which is why even in Silicon Valley, uh, you know, uh, uh, these companies tend to need a lot of benefit and support early on. So what is not lacking is talent or, or intent. Uh, what they need is actually a lot of dollars because by the time they get revenue, both licensing revenue and, and other revenue, it's at least two to three years away unlike uh, a, a generic software company that can generate revenue a year down the line. So that's kind of hindered the growth of Fabless companies. I know IESA and other organizations are working towards it, but I have been disappointed that uh, we haven't produced many top-notch Fabless companies in India uh, marketplace in spite of uh, having had a semiconductor footprint for 25 years now.
0: Uh, in the coming years, uh, do you see uh, these factors coming in? We see funding and... Uh, Emergence of the so-called deep tech uh, startups in the semiconductor uh, area in India.
1: Yeah, I, I am. I'm cautiously optimistic. Uh, still, don't see a lot of it. Uh, and and one other approach that we could do is some of companies like of our stature and size could explore the option of incubating some companies. It's a lot of work. The question then is, why should I not incubate is this inside the company rather than do it outside? Right. So so those questions may pop in. Uh, but Ari, I would summarize by saying that uh, the momentum is still not there, and and, and uh, we just need some smart people and some uh, strategic investors to come together, and maybe the government can play a role too uh, to go and seed some of these thoughts um, and ideas, and 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 uh, you know the area of uh, uh, compute accelerators, the area of uh, you know IoT embedded, where India has a good ecosystem in general. Uh, those are the areas we should look at because. Um those, those are the ones that matter. But you know, also the other factor is uh the absence of a natural local market. Uh semiconductor consumption is big in India, but it's it's a small fraction compared to some of the developed countries. So the opportunities for these companies within the borders of the nation um are not significant. Um and and, and as a result, they are continue, you know, they're going to compete with uh companies with more scale. Um Built out, of, uh, built out of Israel or, or Bay Area or other part of the world.
0: Excellent. Uh, very insightful conversation, Anand. Uh, thank you again uh, for making time for this. And uh, I hope to keep the conversation going.
1: Thank you, Hari. Good questions. And uh, thank you again this morning for for, for indulging me and uh, look forward to staying connected.
0: That was Anand Ramamurthy. That's it for this briefing. You can find all our podcasts on ForbesIndia.com and on your favorite podcast apps. I'm Hari Arakli. Thank you for listening.